0: We're at a passage this morning where Jesus is in transition. Um, <clears throat> where he goes from kind of dodging the crowd's desire to make him king. We see that several times during his ministry. Um, in fact, the time of Lent kind of begins with his tempting, uh, being tempted in the wilderness. It ends with Good Friday. Um, and Palm Sunday is right near the end there. So. In a sense, uh, in that 40 days or that 35 days or however long it was up until this Sunday, we've traveled through his uh, amazing three years of ministry. And during that time, um, there have been uh, several times where people want to kind of grab him and make him uh, a leader and the king right then and there, and he pushes back. Uh, But now we come to a passage where he's willing to uh, take on that uh, title, um, it made me think of transitions and um, I remember graduating from Ashton Theological Seminary and I, there were people that I was a student with I studied with um, and some of these uh, these people I worked with uh, or studied with I guess um, after you're there for two five years or whatever. Um, you get to know the professors, you get to know the administrators, and jobs open up. And there were people that uh, were staying on. They, gra- they were graduating, but they were staying on with a job at the seminary. And that's fine and good. I-, I think that that's great. But with a few of them, I felt like that the school provided a nice, comfy, cozy community and that the sticking around was sort of the safe bet. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The safe bet. And I remember thinking that when I graduated Springfield, my undergrad as well, that there were certain people, um, and I that, that may sound a little bit judgmental. I, I, I could be wrong about that. But they were there was like, this is a transitional time. We're graduating. Some were going go to go on to, to earn PhDs. Um, and that was risky for them. That was scary for them. That meant stepping out on a limb, step of faith. Um, others were going to go uh, and start churches, work at churches, uh, like Lisa and I did. And uh, I just felt like some were, the the, the inner voice was saying, oh, I I feel like you're missing an opportunity to take this leap, you know. Um, And uh, church planning was like that for us. You know, we had this horrible experience in Columbus, and I felt like there was something here, there was something contemporary, there was something fresh. This church had some problems, but I wanted to bring uh, all the good stuff back to Maine. And then that was another seven years. It was, it was seven years of more studying and, and being at other churches before we felt like this is the time to go. Um, that was 2004. We went to an assessment, and, uh, and we got green light. And that was, it was odd to get a green light. Most people got yellow lights, like here's some work we want to see you do before we send you off. Um, the red light and the green light were rare and um, but we had been at three different church plants and so we had a bit more experience um, and we got the green light and uh, but i remember that time where i felt like i remember one time in particular i've shared this story a number of times over the years where um, i got home lisa wasn't home yet i was home and i'm just sitting under this like apple tree during we had this farmhouse rented a farmhouse acres and acres of land and um, I'm sitting under this tree watching the sunset, and I'm just sort of sobbing over like this desire to see this thing happen, but not knowing when it was going to happen. I graduated first. Lisa graduated second. So I we was waiting for uh, Lisa to graduate her undergrad. And then the idea was she's going to get her grad degree, and I was willing to go wherever, you know, because she had stayed around while I finished mine. And, and so um, just had no idea how long that was going to take. And, uh, in the meantime, um, I got a different job at a church start and it was during that time where I felt like, okay, we can do this, but it was still scary. You know, it was still, you know, like we're packing up everything and just moving out here. My gig was playing guitar. I led worship. I got paid to do that just every week. That was the only thing I did. And it was awesome. Um, but I knew that there was something, there was something more. Well, Jesus is at that point where there's, it's time, um, to enter the city um, it's time to um, make that transition. His whole ministry um, has been about this transition. And so in Luke, we have this uh, transition into uh, from the earthly ministry of Jesus, the teaching and the healing, and we transition into uh, his suffering, uh, the crucifixion and the resurrection. Um, and his disciples... Already, So this is going to be a little bit shorter because of the extra announcements this morning, but um, he's taking this extra step, and um, Luke is drawing our attention to the prophecy in Zechariah, and that is a prophecy where Israel is in exile and is waiting for the king to return, and in that passage the king is returning, uh, but the king is not returning uh, on a war horse, but returning on a colt, um, and And the peace isn't just for Israel. The peace is for the world. And so that's a very different vision uh, than what probably many Israelites had at that time. And uh, so Jesus um, is getting ready to ride into town. So we're going to read that passage uh, briefly. After telling this story... Um, so this is a story, the story they're referring to is a pretty harsh story about uh, the parable of the ten pounds. We're used to hearing the ten talents, but this is about the pounds. And at the end, it's, it's, a, it's a picture of a very judgmental God at the end. Um, and this is looking forward to Jesus entering the city. And we have that passage this morning, but what happens after that is he weeps over Jerusalem and then he cleanses the temple. And then we know how things pan out later in the week. Uh, he ends up uh, being crucified. Uh, so Jesus, he can read the writing on the wall, and he knows what's coming. So after telling the story, Jesus went on toward Jerusalem. This is, a, this is quite, a, quite a journey. He was in uh, Bethany before, which is going to be a travel down into a valley, up to the Mount of Olives, and then from there, entering the city, he's going to go back down into the Kidron Valley and up into Jerusalem. A lot of walking. A lot of thinking, a lot of praying, probably. Um, After telling this story, Jesus went on toward Jerusalem, walking ahead of his disciples. As he came to the towns of Bethpage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples ahead. Go into the village over there, he told them. As you enter, you will see a young donkey tied uh, there that no one has ever ridden. We don't know if this is a donkey or a colt, actually. Um, A donkey or a small horse. Um, untie it, bring it here. If anyone asks, why are you untying the colt, just say that the Lord needs it. Um, So they went ahead and found the colt, just as Jesus had said. And sure enough, as they were untying it, the owners asked him, why are you untying that colt? So first of all, he's, he's getting this cult, and this is uh, partly to uh, connect in with the passage in Zechariah, the prophecy uh, that the return of the king would come in on a cult, on a humble cult. Also, if it's a cult, it's probably never been used. and There's something pretty symbolic, pure, the purity of the animal that's carrying Jesus into town. Um, that's important as well. Um <clears throat> And as I said, uh, he will end up weeping over Jerusalem and cleansing the temple after this. Um, As we go on, it says, uh, and the disciples simply replied, uh, the Lord needs it. Uh, So they brought the colt to Jesus and their garments over for him to ride on. As he rode along, the crowds spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. And when he reached the place, where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles that they had seen. So this is interesting because you don't have Hosanna here. It mentions crowds, but it also mentions all his followers. And so with Luke, the whole scene is a bit more subdued. Um, and this is a struggle I've had with uh Palm Sunday. It's you know I always I always think of Lori when we get to Transfiguration Sunday. She's like I don't get that story. It's just just a weird story, and it's funny to listen to her talk about it and try to teach the kids and all that. I feel that way about Palm Sunday. It's it's a big celebration for the church, and I I understand Jesus being king. Um, He is crowned king on the cross. He is wearing a robe on the cross. Um, His name is written King of the Jews in three different languages. Um, that's a real image of, of kingship in a way that is surprising to us. But with Palm Sunday, I'm always like, this just seems so fickle. I mean, he's, he's marching in, we're proclaiming king, and then he's, he's going to die. You know, and they're going to condemn him in this bogus trial just five days from now. And so um, in Luke, it is more subdued. You don't have the Hosanna, Hosanna. In the other Gospels, it seems like you have those crowds that are so fickle. The crowds that one week are saying, Hosanna, and a week later saying, crucify him, crucify him. But in Luke, it's more of a picture of the disciples. And they are singing praises. They are putting their cloaks down. But it just feels a bit more, um, it feels a bit more subdued. And a smaller, uh, maybe, maybe Luke's recording the beginning of the process and people get wound up as he gets closer to Jerusalem. I don't know. But I love it because it says they're singing praises. They, uh, they walked along praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. And so in their minds, they're proclaiming Jesus as king. He is living out that prophecy in, in Zechariah. Jesus is at a point where he's willing to take on that title, and he wasn't willing to do that before. And we know that Jesus, um, he was tempted with the issue of power. That's where we started with the 40 days in the wilderness. That's one of the temptations. I will give you all the nations of the world. Look at the power that you could have if you just worship me. Jesus is tempted by power. And finally, he's come to this point where he's ready to, to enter into town, to take on that mantle and all that it means. And what it's going to mean is him being raised up on the tree, on the cross, with a crown of thorns. And so we have all the people talking about the things they had seen, and I think that part of what they've seen is Lazarus just being raised a few days later, or a few days earlier. Um, His healing of people, his teachings, some of which are uh, matting just... In a way that's maddening, uh, vague, <laughs> and hard to understand. You know, the kingdom of God is like a treasure in a, in a, in a field. Okay. I should do a sermon like that one day. Just like, the kingdom of heaven is like, good, bring the band back up, let's go home. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, and then others that are just so theologically deep that people can't handle it. You know, uh, you must drink my blood, eat my flesh. And people are like, Phew. I've had enough. I'm out of here. He turns to disciples, are you going to go too? And they say, well, where else will we go? Um, people are thinking about this. And he's heading into town. And we also see in Luke that there's dissenting voices. You know, this, and during this time of transition, if we think of our own transitions, it's just attacking the addictions that we have, um, the changes that we have like as a community, a church community, um, whatever work changes are coming your way. Uh, whatever family changes are coming your way, there's transition. Here we see transition. And one of the things that we're going to see are these dissenting voices that appear. Um, uh, Let's see, where am I? Uh, Blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven, glory in the highest heaven. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. Tell them to stop. He replied, if they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst out into cheers. I don't think Jesus is saying that would literally happen, but he's saying that there's something happening here that's so big that you cannot quench it. And if we think about a lot of stories in Scripture, creation comes alongside in the process. Like So when humanity disobeys God, part of the Curse on the earth is that the earth produces thorns and thistles. Um, when Isaiah has this vision of uh, renewed creation, it's a picture of the lion and the lamb laying down together. When the king is born, when the savior is born, it's a star in the heavens that bear witness to this event. And then when Jesus dies, it's uh, the sun going dark and the earthquake that bears witness to the the magnitude of what is happening. So he's entering in as a king and it's so much bigger than people realize. And Jesus calls their attention to that. Like creation itself is going to bear witness to the events that are happening. And I think Jesus sees this and the importance of it. Maybe his disciples don't. A lot of the crowd does not because they're calling for his crucifixion later on. But I wonder how many transitions we're going through as we're going through as a church on our own where we really don't realize how big it is. Like we're scared. We're thinking, okay, this is going to be hard. This transition, whatever it may be for you, it might be difficult. Um, but And we think it's going to be hard. We think maybe I can't do it. But it's going to be so much bigger. God is going to show up in such bigger ways than we even imagine. That even the stones would cry out. Amen. And that's what uh, Jesus is saying. And so, when we think about these transitions, when we think about where the church is going, when we think about graduating from college or, or coming out of the gap year and you know, having to do a career or go to college, these transitions in our life, marriage, having kids, we've got some babies we're celebrating this morning, these big transitions, how do we do it? How do we do it? How do we make it through? And you know, what's the difference for Jesus who is putting this off and putting it off for three years? And I think that we see that people are praising God for all that he has done. And there's this sense in which we can bear witness to what God has done. We can bear witness to what God has done in someone's life and see. We can bear witness to what God has done in North Harbor and say, yeah, the fog is clearing. It's not getting... It's not getting darker right now. It's getting lighter right now. Something's happening where we're smaller, but there's something bigger happening um, coming out of a, an addiction that we're, we're trying to tackle. Just like it feels overwhelming, but something bigger is on the way, and there's a sense in which people are bearing witness to what God has done in the life of Jesus, and he, you know, and Jesus is hearing this, and he's experienced it he's had success, he hasn't grabbed on to that cult of personality that people want to shove onto him, and he's ready to take that role in a humble way and ride into town. And so it made me think a lot about bearing witness. And I think that as a church, and there are the transitions that we're going through, and in whatever transitions that you are going through, and I've heard of many transitions that people are going through, ideas that are sprouting forth, um, It's worth remembering what God has done. Because there's going to be dissenting voices. There's going to be people that say, just cut it out. Stop doing it. Stop thinking that way. The stones would cry out if I didn't do that, if I didn't step forward. I remember feeling that way before planting the church. Like, we just want to do this. That's why I was sobbing under that tree. It was like, I felt it so strong that we could use a contemporary church in, in this area. And North Harbor has grown very different than what we expected um, but it still included a lot of those things that we did expect but bearing witness to what God has done thinking back to the ways that God has affirmed you and it's so very important for us to go to people when they're in that transition and say you're going to be great parents I said that to Elijah last week I said it to Kayla Poor couple; they live within eye distance of our window. So every time they have a fire, I'm like, I'm going to go stand by the fire at their house, <laughs> whether they invited me or not. <clears throat> but I said, you're gonna, "You guys are going to be great. You're going to be great parents. Um, the transition you go through are going to you're going to be really good at this. Something's going to change, and something's going to happen here at North Harbor um, <clears throat> that God is leading. God has not left us." God is leading us. <laughs> but sometimes it doesn't feel that way. Um, and maybe it doesn't feel that way here. It's a cult. It's not a war horse. You know, Judas finally gets to the point where he's like, I want to see change, and this isn't happening. I'm going to sell this guy out. It's not the change isn't happening the way I want to see it. Um, it doesn't always happen that way. Um, <clears throat> So this passage is, is powerful for transitions um, because all throughout his ministry, Jesus has said, no, 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 no. Okay, now's the time. And that's three years of ministry. That's three years of people not understanding what he's talking about. And some people understanding. that's three years of praise and three years of anger and three years of all this sort of stuff. And now he's got these people with him. He's got a crowd. He's got his followers. Maybe the crowd and the hosannas show up later in Jerusalem. I don't know. Luke doesn't talk so much about them. He's talking about the disciples, the ones who follow, are saying they can bear witness to what God has done. So I want to encourage us during this week. We are getting to the end of this time of Lent, and Lent challenges us. It challenges our presuppositions. It challenges our our routines. And um, where has God affirmed you? Where are the rocks crying out? You just can't dim. You know, maybe it's a place you didn't want. You know, I, I hear lots of stories of missionaries going into the field. we are like, all right, this is the last thing I ever wanted. But too many, too many voices spoke up. And, and God's vision was affirmed. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, there's no palm branches in this, no hosannas. It's a different sort of feel. But I love it. It's a smaller crowd. And we're followers. We're followers of Jesus. And so, um, yeah, with those thoughts, let's read uh, from Psalms, prepare a heart, Psalm 118, prepare our heart for uh, communion. And think about um, where that bearing witness to God's work in your life is happening. The voices that are calling you out, the little coincidences that seem beyond um, coincidence, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His faithful love endures forever. Let all Israel repeat, His faithful love endures forever. Let's repeat that. His faithful love endures forever. Open for me the gates where the righteous enter, and I will go in and thank the Lord. These gates lead to the presence of the Lord, and the godly enter there. I thank you for answering my prayer and giving me victory. The stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and it's wonderful to see. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Please, Lord, please save us. Please, Lord, please give us success. Bless the ones who come in the name of the Lord, and bless. And we bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God, shining upon us. Take the sacrifice and bind it with cords on the altar. You are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God, and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. God, we, uh, we ask on this uh, Palm Sunday... that we would walk with Jesus and we would remember the things that he he has said and the things that he has done both in scripture, in the story of the Bible and in our own stories and in our stories as this worshiping community this community of faith that we would remember all that you've done that we would take courage from the things that we have seen and learned And that we would believe those things in the face of dissenting voices and thoughts. That we would take the garments we have and throw them down before you in an act of devotion. That we would uh, pour out the expensive perfume. That we would take it all and give it all to you. Give us the faith to see that something so remarkable is happening that even creation itself would shout out if we would not. Give us a vision, your vision, for this church, for this community, for our lives. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.